0: Hello, and welcome back to The China Insider, a podcast from the China Center at Hudson Institute. It's Tuesday, April 25th, and we have three topics to go through this week. The first is the question, an evergreen question, about whether or not the war in Ukraine is a distraction for the U.S. when it comes to the urgent task of deterring Chinese aggression against Taiwan. The second is recent comments made by South Korean President Yoon about how the issue of Taiwan is not just a matter between China and Taiwan, but a global issue. We'll talk about what that statement is all about and why the PRC had such an intense reaction to it. And the third will be a follow-up on a story that we've talked about a couple of times. That's the issue of Chinese overseas police stations, including in Manhattan. Last week, the Department of Justice arrested two Chinese individuals who are running an overseas police station, a secret one in Manhattan. We'll talk about what that arrest means and how these police stations fit into the PRC's global strategy. Miles, how are you doing? Very good. Wilson, well, glad to be with you again. Glad to be with you as well. So our first topic today is something that a lot of people have been talking about for a while, uh, and it's something that we've referenced on this podcast a couple of times, and that is the link between the current war in Ukraine and deterring a war over Taiwan. A lot of people say that the two issues are linked, and there's an increasing chorus of voices saying that the war in Ukraine may be a distraction from the critical task of deterring a war in Taiwan. There was a debate at the Hudson Institute. Institute yesterday featuring our president and CEO John Walters and Elbridge Colby of the Marathon Initiative about this issue specifically. And I wanted to continue the conversation here with you. So, when you think about U.S. support for Ukraine as it defends itself against Russia, do you think that that is a distraction from the critical task of deterring the PRC from aggression against Taiwan?
1: I mean, in theory, it could be destruction, but in reality, it's not. Uh, the reason is that uh, uh, people look at the war in Ukraine as a failure of deterrence. I look at it differently. Actually, I think it's probably a, uh, a triumph of deterrence because uh, Russia obviously uh, uh, launched a war against Ukraine, not just for Ukraine. Russia wants to overturn the entire order of international uh, reality. Uh, so uh, Russia said very clearly, The whole issue uh, is NATO expansion. The whole issue is Western dominance in global affairs. So you won't change that. So I look at this uh, this fact that the the war is very limited in a very small part of Ukraine as a uh, victory of deterrence. The fact that the war has not uh, expanded beyond uh, this uh, eastern region of Ukraine. Obviously, uh, people in Ukraine suffer tremendously. And uh, that's why the West. Has stood with the Ukrainian people in in winning the war, so I don't necessarily see this is actually a failure in deterrence. Uh, so the lesson we should draw from this is that uh, we should do similar and to strengthen alliance, uh, particularly the American-led uh, bilateral alliance, in conjunction with the American-led NATO alliance, and deter China from launching similar aggression against Taiwan. Now, in reality, as well. The United States has not really heavily invested uh, its strategic assets in Ukraine. We provide the critical uh, material and uh, finances for the for the war on behalf of the Ukrainian people. But the United States does no boots on ground. The most of the weapons used for the Taiwan scenario have not been allocated to Ukraine because the war in Taiwan will be necessarily. Focus on air, sea, and amphibious. And none of that uh, is uh, uh, really uh, germane to the ground war in Ukraine. So yeah. I think, you know, as long as we keep our strategic focus on China and the deterrence will be uh, sufficient, uh, uh, so I don't
0: necessarily think it's a de- distraction. So I want to push you on that a little bit, though. I think the point that you make about the weapons that would be needed to deter a war over in the Taiwan Strait versus the weapons needed now to win a war in Ukraine are different in a lot of ways. The Taiwanese people are not necessarily going to be using javelins and stingers, for instance. These ground-to-ground missiles are not going to factor as much in Taiwan. They need undersea. They need anti-ship missiles and so on and so forth. The people on the other side of the debate, though, would point to a few facts that I think resonate, at least they they make sense. So the U.S. has authorized about 113 billion dollars in aid to Ukraine. And that aid takes a variety of different forms, humanitarian aid, financial aid. A lot of it is military, though. Meanwhile, there's a huge backlog in the sale of military equipment to Taiwan. The figures that I've seen put it between 18 and 19 billion dollars. Again, that's a very large number. So if someone is talking to you and says, Miles, We have given the Ukrainians so much. Meanwhile, we can't deliver even the things that we have promised Taiwan in a timely fashion. How would you respond to that? And I'm going to add one more thing to that. They would say the situation in Taiwan is much more urgent than the situation in Ukraine. Or it could be if China invades. I agree
1: with you 100% on urgency of the Taiwan issue. China is a much more formidable military power against Taiwan than Russia is against the Ukraine. Because of the alliance system in Europe, Russia has to act very cautiously. But our all alliance in Asia-Pacific is strong, but mostly bilateral, not multilateral. That's why uh, NATO has moved very quickly to uh, get involved in Asia-Pacific. You see that on a daily basis, right? Uh, so uh, um, even the uh, the uh, the NATO official, uh, the EU official is talking about the joint patrol in Taiwan Strait. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 10, Twenty billion dollars weapon sale to Taiwan in comparison to 150 billion dollars to Ukraine. You got to put that in perspective. We gave weapons to Ukraine to buy American weapons, so <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's to replenish a, our stocks a lot of the time. That's right. So so it's not a bad idea. Again, there is a different type of weapons required for warfare in Ukraine than in Taiwan. Um, I'm not going to go to details about specific amount uh, because that uh, uh, probably is classified information. Uh, but I I don't I'm Concerned about the tendency that Ukraine might become a distraction. I'm not sure that destruction has become a reality yet. So far, all signs indicated to me that American strategic focus on China has not changed at all. As a matter of fact, this has been steadfast from the beginning of the war, even the first shot was fired. President Biden said very clearly there would be no American direct military intervention in Ukraine. But the American president has said repeatedly there will be direct military intervention in Taiwan. I think four so times. So resolve is there. The focus has not changed. Now, when it comes to specific weapons, uh, weapons requirement, as I say, I mean America is not is not uh, you know idling by. We are busy preparing for the Taiwan scenario. We're getting the uh, basing issue resolved. We are stockpiling our strategic assets and and. Uh, So we're doing a lot of joint um, interoperability uh, drills with our allies. So deterrence is increasing. While in the meantime, urgency in Taiwan Strait obviously is still uh, uh, increasing as well.
0: Okay, so closing question on this segment. When you look at US policy towards Ukraine, keeping in mind the urgency of the Taiwan scenario, what do you think the objective of US policy in Ukraine today should be?
1: I don't know whether there's a stated policy but I do know there is a a, a, a sheer reality that is uh, the worst thing that could happen to Taiwan is when for Russia to win the war and to extricate itself from the war quagmire in Ukraine so that Russia and China will join in hand to deal with the Taiwan scenario. Oh, that's interesting. That would be a very formidable uh, alliance for the United States to deal. In other words, if Russia is stuck in Ukraine, right? Even if Russia is, even Russia is defeated
0: in Ukraine, that will significantly reduce the risk of war against Taiwan. So create a quagmire for Russia in Ukraine so that they cannot partner with China against Taiwan. To the effect, yes. But they, you know, uh, uh, China's
1: strategic confidence to launch aggression, to a large degree, depends on China's strength of relationship with Russia. If China mm-hmm. and Russia were able to join hand targeting Taiwan, and that would be the very, very bad thing to happen. So, so far, as long as Russia is stuck in
0: Ukraine, that likelihood is uh, mitigated. Yeah, without American troops on the ground shooting or being shot at uh, is another important point to, to add there.
1: Again, Russia is being deterred in Ukraine. I mean, cannot go beyond Ukraine. So otherwise, the whole NATO will go after uh, uh, Russia. So Russia knows this. So the war in Ukraine is limited. I don't even know with the enormous American's uh, financial support, it is really, really important for us to, uh, to make sure that Russia would not prevail in Ukraine. Now, as I say, if Russia prevails in Ukraine, the Beijing-Moscow axis
0: will have a much bigger threat against Taiwan, and that will be a very bad situation. Yeah, So let's talk about Taiwan uh, specifically and the U.S.'s partners around Taiwan because there was an interesting statement last week from the president of South Korea, President Yoon, who gave remarks in an interview with Reuters uh, that caught uh, a lot of attention around the world. President Yoon said, quote, the Taiwan issue is not simply an issue between China and Taiwan, but like the issue of North Korea, it is a global issue. So, Miles… What do you think President Yoon meant by that statement, and why does it matter? He meant the reality. Taiwan issue is not a regional issue.
1: It's not even a sovereign issue. Taiwan issue is fundamentally about the freedom versus tyranny. And to go beyond the Taiwan scenario, if China does launch military ag- aggression against Taiwan, and if China wins, China will never going to stop there because China has so many grievances against its neighbors, very much like 19th century Germany. It's a revanchist regime and it wants to basically to place itself at the top of the world and through military means. China right now has territorial disputes not only with South Korea, but with Japan, with Vietnam, with India, with uh, uh, many other countries in the South sea, uh, China Sea region. You see, this is why President Yun said uh, the Taiwan issue is not just uh, a issue between China and, ta- and Taiwan. It's a global issue. Once that war started, and you're going to bring at least the the top three economies of the world into the fight, right? The top three being U.S., China, Japan, yeah. So this is going to be global. Once once that happens, then the global uh, system of uh, international governance will collapse. So that's why it's very important that uh, uh, we cannot really let Taiwan be uh, China's Sudetenland. You have to stop there. The uh, funny thing is, China's diplomatic fight against the world it did not stop in uh, with the South Korean uh, president. China basically said, uh, listen, uh, South Korea should address Taiwan issue with caution to threaten uh, the, the the president of uh, South Korea. And the South Korean government also was uh, equally incensed and uh, summoned the Chinese ambassador to Seoul and uh, have a dressing down. Incidentally, you have uh, the uh, Chinese ambassador to... Uh, to the Philippines, uh, and the uh, uh, he threatened the uh, the Philippine government, saying that listen, if you give the U.S. Uh, government the uh, military basing rights uh, on your soil, you have to uh, really care about the 150,000 Filipino workers in Taiwan. That's a blatant threat. That right? is a blatant threat. So the Filipino government obviously is not very. Uh, very amused by that. And then just over the weekend, you see the Chinese ambassador to France uh, conducted a major, major uh, faux pas and caused a firestorm of criticism and protest. The Chinese ambassador to France uh, uh, went on French TV and saying that, hey, the Ukrainian status, you know, you know the Crimea status you know, uh, has not been really um, settled. Um, and he went further to say, you know, all the former Soviet republics that become independent after the collapse of the Soviet Union their international status as a sovereign nation have not been settled yet. This is just absolutely crazy. So for the ambassador to say uh, things like that obviously it causes an international firestorm. China sometimes forget, you know, its own Marxist-Leninist way of looking at the world. It's maybe good for domestic propaganda, but internationally it really does not hold water. Make China look like a, a silly, aggressive And this true reflection of China's strategic intent, I think the world should really wake up and pay close attention to China's rhetoric.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that the ambassador to France made that statement because the PRC in most of its claims about Taiwan always talks about sovereignty – always talks about territorial integrity. And China's vice foreign minister actually made a statement against President Yoon's statement saying, quote, "...the South Korean leader made no mention of the one-China principle, but equated the Taiwan issue with the Korean Peninsula issue. Both North and South Korea are sovereign states that have joined the United Nations." much like most of the post-Soviet republics as well. So it just kind of undermines the position there. But I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about South Korea's role specifically in any U.S.-led or free world-led effort to counter PRC or deter PRC aggression against Taiwan. So when you think of South Korea's role, what makes them so important? Why does the U.S. need them in any counter PRC coalition?
1: Well, South Korea obviously is a very strategically important uh, to all sides. China views South Korea as a wedge between the U.S. and Japan on one side and uh, South Korea on the other. So it has cultivated uh, South Koreans' uh, nationalist sentiment against uh, uh, Japan uh, for historical reasons. China almost succeeded, but uh, South Korea's democracy So democracy means that the leadership changes all the time and always mm-hmm. t- uh, in the right direction. So now we have the right leader um, in President Yoon and who basically realized uh, China is playing South Korea against uh, uh, US-led ally, uh, alliance in Northeast Asia. So he basically made this very positive step uh, to uh, voluntarily solve the problem uh, of uh, World War II settlement issue with, with Japan. Yeah. And also, he uh, stood up uh, um, to China. And I think that uh, and the South Korea and Japan, Australia, and New Zealand uh, joined the NATO summit last year which is a historic and unprecedented in Madrid yeah and i think they're going to join again this year so i think this is going to be a very important move and i think you know the more a country that deals with china the more that country will become vigilant against china so because they both understand china's strategic intent is to upend the existing international order that everybody benefits from
0: Yeah. And that strategic intent is visible not only in China's neighborhood, but around the world, as you've talked about several times, Miles. And I want to close us off on an example that shows that. Um, So last week there was a story out of New York, and I'll just read you the headline Of the Department of U.S. Department of Justice's press release about what happened in New York, the headline is: "Quote, two arrested for operating illegal overseas police station of the Chinese government." So, Miles, we've talked about Chinese overseas police stations a couple of times on this podcast. What happened last week?
1: Well, last week was that the FBI basically uh, arrested two individuals uh, in Chinatown, New York for conducting espionage, Uh, I believe that's the charge. And also they charge over 40 others who have committed a similar crime. So this basically is a Chinese secret police station um, uh, placed uh, in over 150, some overseas uh, capitals mostly, uh, foreign countries. Uh, And uh, you have this in London, in Paris, in Seoul, in Tokyo, and in the United States, of course whose job is to basically you know, to extend China's police state arm over the Chinese diaspora to spy on Chinese immigrants.
0: Yeah, they claim that they're there to help with things like passports or visas or provide sort of normal services to Chinese nationals abroad. Oh, that's a disguise. They
1: constantly got people they want them back particular dissidents and show their dissidents families in china will be in trouble if they don't cooperate don't go back to china yeah. so this is also uh related to China's you know fox hunt operation uh that Can is a global a, yeah. global uh body snatching uh operation uh that's been going on for over decades this is not just you know once the united states arrested two uh suspect many countries were taking a hard look at their own countries, uh, how much they're being fen- uh, penetrated. But the British Parliament is particularly incensed by this. So they're, they're investing some of the very high level, similar uh, Chinese uh, espionage uh, activities in the UK. And you have a similar situation in uh, in other countries. South Korea actually has just indicted a, a Chinese businessman uh, for his role in uh, harassing the uh, dissidents, um, Chinese dissidents in this place, the secret police uh, station. And then the Netherlands and Greece um, and Spain, those countries were actually uh, uh, taking similar action against those uh, overseas uh, secret Chinese police station.
0: And listeners can go on the Department of Justice's websites and, website and see exactly what the charges against these individuals are. But they're, just as Miles said, uh, attempting to intimidate dissidents to go back to China, various charges like that. But Miles, this police station has been shut down, uh, according to the press release, since the fall of 2022. But are there more overseas police stations of the PRC in the United States today? Or do we know?
1: Oh, yeah, there are many, uh, many um, um, government entities uh, um, disguised as some innocuous uh, uh, business operations, or even legit um, uh, business uh, uh, operations. And this is why each country should really enforce their domestic law. And uh, some countries actually are following Americans' uh, uh, leads and they shut down uh, all the known secret police stations uh, like Germany and Ireland. Uh, they have shut down and they also arrest uh, some of the uh, suspects. This is a global issue. That's why when President Yoon uh, uh, of South Korea say, you know, Taiwan issue is not just uh, the issue between China and Taiwan. I will say the similar thing that uh, the China problem is not just the problem between United States and China. It's a global problem. Every country would have the same thing. So Chinese government always tried to pin everything down on the United States for all the problems that China is having. And that is not true uh, because uh, uh, it's not the U.S. versus the China. It's uh, China versus the rest of the world.
0: Yeah, and the examples of these police stations— again secret, intimidating uh, members of the Chinese diaspora, harassing members of the Chinese diaspora, not only in the United States, but around the world, is another piece of uh, evidence to support that thesis. Miles, I think that's all the time that we have this week. Thank you so much. Looking forward to recording another episode of the China Insider with you next week. All right. Thank you. And uh, looking forward to it, too. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The China Insider, a podcast from the China Center at Hudson Institute. We appreciate Hudson for making this podcast possible. Follow Miles and all of the additional great work we do at Hudson.org. Please remember to rate and review this podcast, and we'll see you next time on The China Insider.